if you miss the Sunday school hour, I I would encourage you to. Um, well, that's not really a way to encourage you now, is there? Because Pastor said it wasn't recorded. Um, yeah, I did record it on my iPad. If you will want to listen to it, if you will send me an email, I'll be able to send it to you in an attachment, okay? I'll be very willing to. Or right now, if you have an iPhone, I can just airdrop it to you after the service when during the time that we are eating and socializing, I'll be willing to do that uh, for you. Um, so let's tend to uh, John. And so I'm going to, um, in, in Africa, services tend to go long. Uh, we, we go to church, and sometimes we, we say the church starts at 9, but we really, really don't start church until 9.30. And uh, when we begin, we begin Sunday school, and the teacher is teaching, and he's teaching with seven people gathered when he begins, and by the time he's done, there are probably 20 people. That means that 18 people miss the beginning. So he, in order to be nice to them, he will try to go back and, you know, to bring them up to speed. You know, this is where we began, and this is where we are, and this is where we are going. And as a result of that, it, church can tend to go long. But I realize that that is not necessarily the case, and, and one of the pastors that I grew up under, he would, he would actually, the, the, the length of his message is determined by how many people come late. If many people come late, uh, you can't expect a longer sermon because you want them to hear the truth as well. You know, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to rehash all that I said during the Sunday school hour. But building on the same theme, the theme we looked at this morning during the Sunday school hour was the theme of continuing. Continue. Now, we, we realize that when Paul mentioned that uh, continuing ministry in the word, he wasn't actually getting or putting forth a new idea. But the idea that he was putting forth is an idea that he got from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the text that we are going to consider now is the Lord Jesus Christ's encouragement to his disciples to continue. In our Bible, we, it is, in the English, it's translated in a different word, but in the Greek, it's all the same word. That word means, can also mean to remain. It means to abide. Does that sound familiar? That is in John 15. That is the word that is used. Jesus Christ said, abide in me. He, literally, he's saying, just like Paul said, he's saying, continue in me. And now, why is Jesus Christ saying they should continue in him? They are to continue because there is something that was going to happen. We know back in John 14 when he began to tell, actually in John 13, after Jesus Christ washed their feet because John tells us that he now knew that his hour was come. What hour was come? The hour to go to the cross. And that the Bible says knowing that he came from God and that he returned to God, he then washed his disciples' feet. And what was the lesson he taught them? The lesson of humility. You have to be humble. You have to be servants one of another. If you are going to be a leader among the people, you have to be the servant of them. And then he began to tell them how that he's going to be going up to Jerusalem and he'll be delivered to the Pharisees and to the council and he'll end up being condemned and nailed to a Roman cross. And 
They were not ready for that. And despite the fact that we realize that they made decisions or they did, did things that clearly expressed to them that they were not happy about the end that Jesus Christ was heading towards, that we realize that they actually had a sorrowful heart. Their hearts were sorrowful and you would be. Look, this, this is a man that you have given all your life for. For the past three and a half years, you've left your family and you have followed him everywhere he's gone. You've slept with him. John said, we touched him. We saw him. We, 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 we sat down and we dined with him. We had an experience with him. And some of them that are called the, the members of the inner circle, Peter, John, and James, you know, they had the privilege of seeing Jesus Christ transfigured. And they had a unique experience with them. And now this is the person that is telling you, I'm going away. And Peter said, I'm going to go with you. He said, no, you cannot go with me right now. But later on, you can come where I am. And we realize that your hearts were sorrowful. And then he speaks to them. And John 14 said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And after I prepare a place for you, guess what? I'm coming again. And when I come again, I will receive you unto myself. That where I am, you will be there as well. And then he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one can go to the Father but by me. And as that conversation went on, we realized that at the end of chapter 14, Jesus Christ is pointing them to a different way that he's going to come to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. In verse 26 and 27, it said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world givers give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's telling them, I'm going to come to you. In the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be your helper. He's going to comfort you in this time of sorrow. He's going to give you peace. And he's going to enable you to remember all the things that I have taught you. So that you can write them down for generations yet unborn. And then he continues that teaching into chapter 15. He said, I am the true vine. He's now pointing them to a life of fruitfulness. He's now pointing them to the life that he has called them to. He had already told them this before, but in the, in the midst of all that was happening, they probably have lost sight of what he, was, he originally called them to. The Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ first saw Simon, Peter, and his brothers, where did he find them? He found them in the sea. He found them being fishes of fish. And when he called them, what did he tell them to begin with? After telling them, follow me, he said, and I will make you fishes of men. 
You see, this is the very reason why Jesus Christ called them. And in the life that he, he, he called them to, the training that was going on, they, they probably lost sight. And we, we realized that they were sidetracked when Jesus Christ began to tell them that he is the Messiah. He is the one, the, the king of Israel. And we see some of them like Nathaniel bow down and cry out to Jesus. You are the Messiah of Israel. You are the king of Israel. And we realize that they had a preconceived idea of what the Messiah of Israel was going to do. He, they, they thought, look, he's going to kick out all these Romans and he's going to establish his kingdom. And guess what? We are going to be ministers in that kingdom. And so when Jesus began to talk about going to the cross, I said, no, no, no. That's why Peter said, look, we're not going to just stand by and let you do this. It's, it's not going to happen. And what did Jesus Christ turn around and tell them? Get thee behind me, Satan. And this, this, this time now, he is before he leaves, he's bringing them back to that initial calling to be fishers of man. But you're only going to be fishers of man if you follow the one that is going to make you the fishers of man. And that is Jesus Christ. And that is why he's saying, continue in me. Abide in me. Because it is important. Why is it important that they abide in him? Because he is divine. He brings them an illustration of a farmer that, 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 that finds great vines. And he, he takes them to the farm and he's, they're looking out at the vines and they're all lying down on the ground. And some of them are standing up. And if you are any farmer, you realize that if a creeping crop is lying on the ground, it doesn't bear anything. If it does bear any fruit, that fruit is not going to last. Because with the contact of the ground, that fruit is going to rot. And that fruit is not going to go into your barn. And Jesus Christ is telling them, look, I am the true vine. I am the one responsible for the fruits that you will bear. And guess what? I want to let you know, my father is the husband man. My father is the one that takes care of all the branches. And you see what he does? He said, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. He doesn't separate it. What he's saying is that, he lifts us up. It's like, uh, as, as a great yard farmer, if you come to your farm and you see that one of your, your vines is lying on the ground, and because of that it's not being fruitful, what you do is that you lift that plant up and you clean it from all the dirt that are attached itself to it, and you put it on what we call a stake. And that gives it freedom to blossom. That gives it freedom to bear more fruit. But before they could bear more fruit, Jesus Christ said, abide in me. This is the analogy he said. Look, just like a branch cannot bear fruit, apart from the fact that it is attached to the vine, no more can you accept you abide in me. Basically, he was telling them, the life and the ministry that I have called you and given you to turn this world upside down with my message, with the message of the kingdom that you were anticipating, you will not be able to do that until you continue in me. You see, the Christian life is not an ideology. It's not a philosophy. It's a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ told them, look, 
you have to understand the work that you will do, the ministry that you will have, it's not going to take you. It's going to take the Holy Trinity. That's why he points to himself. I am divine and, he's, and he points to the Father. And the Father is the husband man. And we will see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then he said in verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, we are told that the Holy Spirit is the one that carried holy men along, that, that brought them along as they recorded all the words of Scripture. And as Jesus Christ tells them in John chapter 14, it is the Holy Spirit that reminded the disciples of the words of Jesus Christ and of the things that he had taught them. So we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working in the life of these disciples and empowering them and cleaning them up and making them to be the fruitful people that we see today. Without the Holy Spirit, what were they? They were just cowards. They were just people that have had their leader nailed to a Roman cross, and they were so afraid that they could not even follow him, but they all ran away and left him. But after the Holy Spirit came, look, just look at just one life, the life of Peter the Apostle, this man that went into the court with, with Jesus Christ, and he denied Jesus Christ three times, as Jesus Christ had told him he would. And then after that experience, we realized that Peter was probably so ashamed of himself that even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter said, I go and fishing. Discouraged. And then we see the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And prior to that, we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming in John chapter 21 and restoring Peter back to his faith. To the earlier ministry that he's called them. They went fishing all night. They didn't catch a thing. And Jesus Christ showed up again. Remember the first time Jesus showed up in Peter's life? It was after a whole night of fishing without catching anything. And Jesus Christ showed up and used his ship. And after that, he said, throw the net on this other side. And they, Peter told them, look, we have been fishing all night. We haven't got anything. We are not just amateurs. We are professional fishermen, Jesus. And he said, but at thy word. And he let down the net on that side. And they caught a fish that they could not draw it, except that they had the help of their friends. And this time again, at the end of a night of fruitlessness, Jesus Christ showed up again. He said, Peter, you remember when I called you first? I called you to be a fisher of man. I didn't call you to go back to fishing for fish. So do you love me? If you love me, I want you to continue the things that I, want to, I called you to do. And we realize that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit finally descended, and we realize that as the, the disciples were, were beginning to speak in different languages as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, the Bible tells us that the people that were listening to them began to say, these people are mad and who was the one that shooed up? It was Peter the coward. It was Peter that said, I go efficient. It was Peter that was so discouraged that when the other disciples came along, he was happy they came along with him to fishing. It was Peter who stood up and said, hey, men of Jerusalem and everyone that is here guarded, I want to tell you that these people are not just drunk because it is only nine o'clock in the morning. 
But I want to tell you that this is that which the prophet Joel talks about. That God said at the latter day that he is going to pour down his spirit on every living creature. And your sons will see visions and your old men will prophesy. This is that which is happening right now. And he began to preach to them Jesus Christ. And he said, Jesus Christ, the holy man, after the determinate counsel of God, who was given up to you, and you by your wicked hands have taken and crucified. And God has raised them from the dead. In his name is this thing happening. And the Bible tells us that when they heard what Peter preached, said they were cut or they were pricked to their hearts. And they said, man and brethren, what shall we do? And 3,000 people came to trust Christ that day. That wasn't Peter. That was Jesus. But because Peter has had an encounter with Jesus, he had allowed himself to abide, he has allowed himself to continue in Jesus. Only then could he bear fruit. And remember back in John, uh, John 18, when Jesus Christ was washing the disciples' feet and he got to Peter, what did Peter say? You're not washing my feet. That can't happen. I can't let you wash my feet. And Jesus Christ told him, look, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And Peter said, not only my feet, but my head as well. He needed that cleansing. As believers, if we will bear fruit, We need an encounter with Jesus Christ. We need to abide. We need to remain. We need to continue in Jesus Christ. And we have to accept the cleansing that comes from the Father. And how how does the cleansing come? The cleansing come in verse 3. It said, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That is where the cleansing comes. This morning, as we talked in the Sunday school hour, it is when you, when you take the Bible and you read it, it's like a mirror that reveals all the aspects of rebellion, all the aspects of disobedience, all the aspects of sin in your heart and in your life. But it also doesn't stop there. It takes you to the cleanest in Jesus Christ. It brings him to his blood that is able to cleanse us from all sin, as John tells us in First John. And as John tells us, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The only way we can bear fruit is to abide and continue in Jesus Christ. Because if we don't, let me show you what is going to happen. What Jesus said will happen. Verse 5. I mean, let's start on verse 4. He said, Abide in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, as I abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You see, if we, there are two paths you can take. If you abide in Jesus Christ, you're going to bring forth much fruit. If you don't abide in him, there's not going to be any fruit. Because without him you cannot do anything. said verse 6, if a man abide not in me, this is what is going to happen. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and he's withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. 
And some people take this verse to say that people that do not bear fruit will lose their salvation and end up in hell. I don't really think that is what he's saying because that is a branch. And the branch is part of Jesus Christ. What he's saying that you'll be rendered useless. You will have nothing to prove for your salvation. It's just like what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 11 down to verse 15, he said, look, there's only one foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. It is therefore up to you how you build. The, 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 the instruments or the, the, the things that you use to build, whether they are silver, they are gold, or they are precious stones or stubble or wood or hay, a day is coming that God is going to test those work. And when God tests that work, if your work is built with hay, wood, and stubble, guess what? They go burned up. And all that will be left is what? Ashes. But he himself, that person himself will be saved. But yes, as by fire. But if any man work abide, if any man's work remain, he said he shall receive a reward. If you don't abide in Christ, there's not going to be any fruit in your life. And because there's no fruit in your life, there's not going to be any reward when you stand before him. You see, and you would not have the joy of taking your, your crowns of, of, of the rewards and, and casting them back at the Lord's feet. You won't have that joy. And what is the reason or what is the rationale for which that will cast them back to him? Because he just gave them to us. Yes, right. He gave them to us. But the reason we will give them back to him is that we will realize, look, Lord, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I did not do that. You did that. So you deserve all the crowns and you deserve all the glory. To the praise of the Father. That is the ultimate goal. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you will encourage us to abide in you as Jesus Christ encourages his disciples to. And Father, that will bear fruit. That will receive your cleansing. And that your name will be exalted and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen, Pastor.